Well, again, a warm welcome. Happy New Year 2020. It's going to be an awesome year. I just believe God has so many great things in store for us. I know that we say that every year, but I just believe 2020 is unique. There's something special about this year, the way God has positioned us as a church. I think we're going to see God do some amazing things, not just in us visibly, not just things changing on the exterior or the interior, but things changing in our lives, in our hearts, in our families, all over the place. And in all of us, not just some of us, all of us. And so get ready. This is going to be an amazing year, a year you will never forget. And we are in week two of our five-week series called WPA, Let's Talk. Some of you know that Bell Let's Talk happens in our community, and, and people will be begin, begin to talk about mental health and the challenges that some people face. Last week, Pastor Andrew did a great job of starting off our series by looking at King Saul's life and teaching us about anxiety. And then as we continue to break this stigma concerning the struggle Christians face with mental illness, we receive godly counsel. How how many know that we need godly counsel? We need to look into God's word and study the lives of biblical characters who learned how to embrace their weakness and rely on God's supernatural strength and power to sustain them in the midst of their health challenges. And so this morning, we're going to look at the life of a man named Samson, and the topic today is addiction. Our scripture comes from Judges 16, verses 4 to 22. I'm going to invite you to stand in honor of the reading of God's word. Judges 16, 4 to 22. Not too long ago, we navigated through the entire book of Judges, but here we're going into it again, and the scripture's going to be on the screen. Would you read together with me in one voice? Sometime later, he fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, See if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him so we may tie him up and subdue him. Each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, tell me the secret of your great strength and how you can be tied up and subdued. Samson answered her, if anyone ties me with seven fresh bowstrings that have not been dried, I'll become as weak as any other man. Then the rulers of the Philistines brought her seven fresh bowstrings that had not been dried, and she tied them with them. With men hidden in the room, she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. But he snapped the bowstrings as easily as a piece of string snaps when it comes close to a flame. So the secret of his strength was not discovered. Then Delilah said to Samson, you have made a fool of me. You lied to me. Come now, tell me how you can be tied. He said, if anyone ties me securely with new ropes that have never been used, I'll become as weak as any other man. So Delilah took new ropes and tied him with them. Then with men hidden in the room, she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. But he snapped the ropes off of his arms as they were threads. Delilah then said to Samson, all this time you have been making a fool of me and lying to me. Tell me how you can be tied. He replied, if you weave the seven braids of my head into the fabric on the loom and tighten it with the pin, I'll become as weak as any other man. 
So while he was sleeping, Delilah took the seven braids of his head, wove them into the fabric, and tightened it with the pin. Again, she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And he awoke from his sleep and pulled up the pin and the loom with the fabric. Then she said to him, how can you say I love you when you won't confide in me? This is the third time you have made a fool of me and haven't told me the secret of your great strength. With such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was sick to death of it. So he told her everything. No razor has ever been used on my head, he said, because I have been a Nazarite dedicated to God from my mother's womb. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me, and I would become as weak as any other man. And when Delilah saw that he had told her everything, she sent word to the rulers of the Philistines, Come back once more. He has told me everything. So the rulers of the Philistines returned with the silver in their hands. After putting him to sleep on her lap, she called for someone to shave off the seven braids of his hair, and so began to subdue him, and his strength left him. Then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Then the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes, and took him down to Gaza. Binding him with bronze shackles, they set him to grinding grain in the prison. But the hair on his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the story of Samson, Lord. It's a sad story. It's a difficult story. But Father, there is a lesson about addiction that you want to teach us today. Addiction is such a difficult topic, Lord. Some of us don't want to talk about it. Some of us don't want to reveal that some of us are struggling with this. But Father, today I pray for transparency, for openness, for our hearts to be open to you, for our minds to be open to you. Jesus, you are interested in doing a deep work today. You want to minister to us, Lord. You want to deliver us, God. You want to heal us. You want to equip us with resources today that will bring us to a place of freedom. He whom the Son sets free is free indeed. We want to be free today. We do not want to be chained and entangled with sin and addiction. We want to be free today. So, Lord, let your freedom reign in this place. Father, we're open to what you want to say to us through the scripture. Give us the ears to hear, the eyes to see, and to discover the truth for our lives and apply it today. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said, amen. You may be seated. Addiction is a very broad topic. There are a variety of addictive patterns that develop in people's lives. There are substance-induced disorders, which include alcohol, tobacco, illegal drugs, and prescription drugs. There are impulse control disorders, such as gambling and stealing. There are behavioral addictions, such as food, pornography, sex, digital devices, shopping, exercise, and then, dare I say it, I know Darren just talked about it in the foyer, coffee. 
Unless you're addicted to heroin, in, case, in which case you would have a 25% chance of becoming instantly hooked, almost all addictions take time to develop. See, this is not something that happens overnight. This is something that develops over the course of a lifetime. Addictions create neural pathways in the brain. The more these pathways are used, the more permanent they become, and the more difficult they become to rewire. We become addicted to the release of chemicals in our brain and the physiological response in our bodies. And there's this continuum, this continuum of feelings from numbness on one side all the way to euphoria on the other side, and yet they only last for such a short period of time, and they leave us longing for more. In our mental health conversation, we must approach addictions in a different way than we could approach all the other topics. There's something unique about addictions. And while we may be tempted to view addictions exclusively as sickness, friends, addictions are self-inflicted as you open the door in your life to sin. Now that will not mean to anybody who's an unbeliever, but that should mean everything to a person who's a believer in Jesus Christ, to a person who's a Christian, because we have learned how to deal with our sin. We need a permanent solution to our sin problem. While sexual addiction may be clearly sinful in our minds, we may trick ourselves into believing that other addictions to food or shopping or many others are less serious and are therefore permissible. Addictions form when we are enslaved. And we surrender our allegiance to another master other than Jesus Christ. You see, there are competing masters in our lives. As repulsive as that slavery imagery sounds, the word selection made here ought to make us uncomfortable. I hope to some degree that you're uncomfortable today as you hear this biblical discussion on addictions. Romans 6.16, it teaches us, don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey, whether you're slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. So today, to whom and to what are you enslaved? The Apostle Paul, he explains the frustration behind the battle with sin and the battle with addictions in Romans 7, 15 to 25. If you're struggling today, this will make sense to you, this wrestle, this internal dialogue. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if, I do, and if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it's the sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not, know, I, for I do, not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Man, this sounds confusing, but it's real. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer, no longer I who do it, but it's the sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Sometimes we feel that way when we're oppressed by addiction, when we're struggling. 
And the question is asked, who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thankfully, the scripture doesn't leave us hanging. Here's the hope we profess. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord, exclamation mark. Thanks be to God. We have a Savior. We have a Deliverer. His name is Jesus Christ. There are some of you here today who have struggled within yourselves being addicted for one year, five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, maybe even 25 years. And I know that church can be one of the worst places when you're struggling with mental illness. You may wonder if people really care. And then if you reveal the side of yourself, will people think differently about you? You might be here today hoping inside for a breakthrough, but have not yet experienced that immediate deliverance that uh, pastors preach about, that we find in the Word of God. You may have prayed diligently as the scripture instructs us to, but you've not seen the significant change to your circumstances. Friends, what will break our addictions? I believe it will take a holistic approach. Addiction is as much spiritual as it is chemical, as it is physical, as it is emotional. You may have gone to the doctor or therapist, but you may have not considered going to God with your addictions. In other words, you see your addiction as a sickness, but you fail to see your addiction as sin. Alternatively, alternatively, you may have gone to God, but you may not considered going to a doctor or a therapist. In other words, you see your addiction as sin, but you fail to see it as sickness. Friends, until we see our addiction first as a reminder of our sinful nature, and then second as a reminder of our sickness, we will not be able to fully recover from our addictions. The sermon on Samson, friends, it's not just for men. It is both for men and women. See, as a judge, his story is representative of the spiritual vitality of an entire nation, the nation of Israel. Therefore, we must learn how to deal with our addictions for the sake of our personal vitality, but also for the sake of our corporate vitality. So this morning, I want to share a few observations and provide some simple applications drawn from the addictive lifestyle of Samson as it's found in Judges 16, verses 4 to 22. The first point this morning is addiction will steal your secret strength. You have a secret strength. And there's something always vying for that secret strength. Verses 4 to 6, sometime later, he fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. And the rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, see if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him so we may tie him up and subdue him. Each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. That's no little money. That's a lot of money. So Delilah said to Samson, tell me the strength, tell me the secret of your great strength and how you can be tied up and subdued. Whenever we read the Bible, we are tempted to think that the characters that we read of are so far removed from our reality, from our present day lives, but they're in the word of God to show us that we're just like them. We see Samson as a hero, somebody kind of like the Incredible Hulk, that big green and muscular being. But sometimes we forget to see him as a human being, like Bruce Banner. 
Every person has strengths, and every person has weaknesses. And Samson's strength was not necessarily in his ability to keep all the details of the Nazarite vow. That means never drinking wine, never eating anything unclean, or never cutting his fare. In fact, he broke, if you read his whole story from Judges 13 all the way to 16, he broke several of those vows, and yet the the Lord still remained with him until almost the very end. Samson's strength was based on being set apart unto God from birth for his purposes. You are set apart unto God for his purposes. See, his life was a miraculous gift from God, and so too our lives. Moreover, our salvation is a gift from God. Don't squander that gift today. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20 reminds us you are not your own. You are bought at a great price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Honor God with your bodies. God has entrusted every person in this room with skills and with talents and gifts to be used for his purposes alone. And yet we live in this tension of being set apart on one side and then being set in our own ways on the other side. Knowing his destiny to deliver the Israelites from the Philistines, why? Why would Samson expose his secret strength to Delilah? Why forfeit supernatural strength for a sexual addiction? Well, the enemy. The enemy's tactic is to entrap us in addiction so that we will be rendered powerless in God's purposes. Refuse to exchange your strength for weakness. That's what happens in addiction. You give up your secret strength, the thing God has given you to be powerful in his kingdom, and you trade it for something weak. Don't do it, friends. What is remarkable about the story is that Delilah is very direct from the very beginning with Samson. Verse 6, she inquires, tell me the secret of your great strength and how you can be tied up and subdued. And obviously he's in love, so he's not listening to anything that's being said to him. He's just looking at pretty Delilah the whole time. But this this direct statement should have triggered all the red flags in his mind. Because of his sexual addiction, he, he could not even see his own demise unfolding right in front of him. You might wonder, well, how can he be so foolish and walk right into the ploy of the Philistines? Well, friends, we should ask ourselves the same question. Why do we repeatedly walk into sin and develop addictive behaviors and patterns in our lives? Instead of pointing the the finger at Samson, maybe we need to learn something from Samson today. Maybe we need to take a little deeper look into our lives, into ourselves today. Please don't hear this message this morning and trick yourself into believing that this sermon does not apply to you. You might say in your mind, well, I'm not an addict. You're not talking to me, pastor. I'm not addicted yet. That you are somehow so righteous that you're exempt from sinning or becoming addicted? That you are somehow in a position to judge the addicted, but above judgment yourself? Friends, don't do that. You are not as powerful as you think. You are human. We are all made of the same stuff. And that should help us. That should help us become actually more transparent with each other. We're all made of the same stuff. No one has an advantage over another person. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 tells us that no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind, rather humankind. 
perhaps the first step you could take this morning in dealing with an addiction is to declare yourself powerless. Just declare it today. I'm powerless, God, without you in my life, without you transforming me. And when you declare your powerlessness, God can demonstrate his supernatural strength in and through you, that his strength would be made perfect in your weakness. I believe that it's time for us as a church to call the addicted back to the Lord so that they can rediscover their secret strength. You see, we see people who are addicted and we want to shun them. We want nothing to do with them. In reality, we should be calling them back. Come back to the Lord. Come back to him. Come back to the principles of God's word. Back to the reason why they were born, because they were meant for so much more. Friends, you do not need to dwell in this self-made prison of addiction. It does not need to define you as the spirit of Delilah tries to lure you away. We as a church will stand with you and take the authority that Jesus has given us, and we will say, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. We will take back what the enemy has stolen from us. You will take back what the enemy has stolen from you. Instead of giving away your secret strength for the enemy's purposes, what would it mean if you set apart your secret strength for God's purposes? What amazing things could you accomplish for him? Second point this morning is that addiction will lull you to spiritual sleep. It'll lull you to sleep. Verses 7 to 15, Samson answered her, If anyone ties me with seven fresh bowstrings that have not been dried, I'll become as weak as any other man. Then the rulers of the Philistines brought her seven fresh bowstrings that had not been dried, and she tied him with them. And with men hidden in the room, she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. But he snapped the bowstrings as easily as a piece of string snaps when it comes close to a flame. And so the secret of his strength was not discovered. Then Delilah said to Samson, you have made a fool of me. You lied to me. Come now, tell me how you can be tied. He said, if anyone ties me securely with new robes that have never been used, I'll become as weak as any other man. So Delilah took new robes and tied him with them. Then with men hidden in the room, she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. But he snapped the ropes off of his arms as if they were threads. And Delilah then said to Samson, all this time, You've been making a fool of me and lying to me. Tell me how you can be tied. You can just imagine her getting irritated. He replied, if you weave the seven braids of my head into the fabric on the loom and tighten the pin, I will become as weak as any other man. So while he was sleeping, Delilah took the seven braids of his hair and wove them into the fabric and tightened it into the pin. Again, she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And he awoke from his sleep and pulled up the pin and the loom with the fabric. Silly Samson. Far too many Christians are spiritually asleep due to their addictions. In this portion of scripture, we see that Samson continues to fall asleep time and time again, inferring from verse 19 that the final incident of his life is the repetition of the former incidents. Samson falls asleep in the lap of Delilah repeatedly. No, Samson is not narcoleptic. He just doesn't fall asleep anywhere. You know some people in your family who just fall asleep anywhere. Not Samson. 
The sexual innuendo is very clear. Just earlier, at the beginning of the chapter, Samson had slept with a prostitute. Samson and Delilah had sexual relations four times over the course of a single day. Samson had a severe sex addiction, and every time he fell asleep, he let down his guard. After all, he thought he was invincible. He was bound three times, first with seven bowstrings in verse 9, then with new robes in verse 11, and last with seven braids of hair in verse 13, and yet each time he broke free, God remained with him. As if that was not enough evidence for Samson to distrust, to distrust Delilah's motives, he gave in just one more time, but that time was the last time. You and I must remember that Samson was a judge of Israel. We need to keep on coming back to this truth. He was meant to be an example. He was not meant to be the one falling into sin and into addictions. He was the one to show us how not to get into trouble, to break the sin cycle. He was born for such a time as this to fulfill what was spoken of him by the angel of the Lord to his parents in Judges 13, 5, that he will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. But Samson's addiction had veered him away off of his assignment. Samson is not a man on the offense, but he's a man on the defense. Instead of initiating that attack on the Philistines, figuring, figuring out what the Lord was calling him to do, instead the Philistines are upon him. They are, are planning their attack. He should have been more proactive instead of reactive. So then today, how do we shift from defense to offense when it comes to our addictions? We need to become more mindful more mindful. We need to slow down the speed of all of our decision-making, and we need to regain control of every choice we make. Take captive every thought. Bring it into obedience in Christ. Once we do this, we will begin to come face-to-face -face with whatever negative feelings we've been fleeing from all this time with our addiction. So don't wait till you're all tied up to wake up. The word you need to hear this morning is awaken. You need to awaken this morning. Not by the words of the enemy, but because of the word of God. Awaken to the truth of God's word this morning. Ephesians 5.14 reiterates a familiar phrase known among the early Christians. Wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Wake up, sleeper. See, Paul is speaking to people who are not literally dead. He is talking to people in Ephesus who are seemingly spiritually dead. He's not talking to non-Christians. He's talking to Christians. And if the church is going to accomplish anything for the Lord in 2020, we need another great awakening to every person who has fallen asleep today and cannot wake or rouse themselves up today. We say, wake up. I don't know if you're with me today. Wake up. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and tell them to wake up. They might be sleeping. We need to wake up. You need to set the alarm on addiction. You need to wake up and, and just get up and deal with this. Don't let it put you in sleep forevermore. This is not hibernation. We have a life to live we have battles to win. We are going to fight some battles today because we're surrounded by God. 
and not by the enemy. We will win. We will overcome. Third point this morning, addiction will leave us with a sorrowful story. Verses 16 to 22. With such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was sick to death. Husbands don't use this ever. Such nagging. So he told her everything. No razor has ever been used on my head, he said, because I've been a Nazarite dedicated to God from my mother's womb. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me, and I would become as weak as any other man. And when Delilah saw that he had told her everything, she sent word to the rulers of the Philistines, come back once more, he has told me everything. So the rulers of the Philistines returned with the silver in their hands. And after putting him to sleep on her lap... She called for someone to shave off the seven braids of his hair and so began to subdue him and his strength left him. And then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And he awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Then the Philistines seized him. They gouged out his eyes. They took him down to Gaza, binding him with bronze shackles. They set him to grinding in the prison. But the hair on his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. Samson's life is a sorrowful story. Because not only did he lose his strength, he lost so much more. He lost three additional things because of his addiction. The first is Samson lost the spirit. Samson became desensitized to the things of God throughout this whole temptation, throughout this whole addiction series. As you see Samson, never does he have a moment where he says, I wonder what the Lord is thinking about this. Previously in Judges 14.5, 14.19, 15.14, we read that then the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon Samson. In fact, Samson is one of the most charismatic leaders in the Bible, one of the most spirit-filled leaders in the Bible, and yet he still failed. However, in Judges 16.20, we read that he did not know that the Lord had, led, had left him. What a moment. Let's not be too quick to make the assumption that losing the spirit means losing our salvation. That's not what we're talking about here. See, when we have given our lives over to our addiction, when we've become enslaved to another master, God may leave us temporarily only so that we can rediscover our need for him permanently. That means we have grieved the spirit. God will not allow his spirit to be grieved like this. And when we feel addicted... We feel distant from God. Sometimes we might even think to ourselves that God himself is fighting against us. But when we recall how God has been with us time and time again, when we come to the realization that we are powerless without him, he will fill us afresh and the spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon us again. You see, once he's left doesn't mean he won't come back. He wants to come back. He wants to fill you again. Sadly, we do not know what we had until we lose it. Furthermore, we see that Samson lost his sight. He did not merely lose his eyesight as if he was blinded over the years and things got worse, his eyesight deteriorated. His eyes were gouged out. I mean, this is a brutality for a prisoner of war. Just imagine seeing somebody who has lost their eyes. 
I wonder if Jesus had Samson's addiction in mind in Matthew 5, 29 to 30 when preaching about adultery in his Sermon on the Mount. Scripture says, if your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for you to lose your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Now, Jesus is not speaking literally, of course. Jesus is not suggesting that we gouge out our own eyes and that we cut off our own hands and that we all bleed to death. That's just sad. He is telling us to get serious about sin. He's telling us to get serious about addiction because if you don't take care of it, if it goes unchecked, it will lead you right down the pathway towards death. Do not underestimate the physical loss that addiction will cause. Friends, you may not see it now, but it will cost you dearly. And then lastly, we see Samson lost his freedom and ultimately his life. A number of people who are addicted end up being arrested, end up being imprisoned. Think of the person who is caught in a child pornography ring or participates in or perpetuates sex trafficking. Where are they going to go when they're caught? Jail. Think of the person who is caught with possession of illegal drugs. Jail. Think of the person who is in major debt and has risked it all, gambling. Ultimately, down the path? Jail. Samson was bound with bronze shackles and spent his days grinding in the prison. And I think at that point of his life, Samson would have had all these regrets. I should have done something about that. I shouldn't have let it get that bad. He became an object of mockery, if we read on in the chapter. He became used for Philistine entertainment. Friends, if you're in the throes of addiction today, This is the moment for you to cry out to the Lord. This is the moment for you to pray a prayer like Samson did in Judges 16, 28. Then Samson prayed to the Lord these words, Sovereign Lord, remember me. Please, God, strengthen me just once more. Samson might have forsaken God, but God certainly had never forsaken Samson. God had a plan. And with one last rush of strength, pushing upon the two pillars, Samson brought down the temple of Dagon and sadly brought an end to his own life. As John Maxwell has said, sin will take you further than you want it to go, it will keep you longer than you want it to stay, and it will cost you more than you wanted to pay. Friends, this is addiction. As we conclude this morning in an attempt to approach the series holistically, that's not some new age thing. What we're trying to do is look at God's word and we're also trying to use the wisdom that God has given doctors and therapists today. As we do this, I want to give uh, Stella a chance, our registered therapist on staff, to have a chance to speak to you and provide some help for those who are struggling with addictions or those who might know somebody with addictions. She can offer her wise counsel to you through this video. So let me draw your attention to the screens for a short video. Good morning, church. We are here to talk about addiction and how it impacts individuals, families, and community as a whole. There's so many people who struggle with addiction. Addiction comes in different forms. It could be addiction to pornography, alcohol, prescription drugs, sex, shopping. It comes in different forms and shapes and it affects everyone. 
in different capacities. There are some things that you can do to help you navigate through this addictive behavior. The first thing is you can seek professional help. There are specific therapists who are well trained in addiction and can help you navigate through that. If you're calling for help, please request to see an addiction counselor because they are, we are well trained to know exactly how to support you. The other thing you can do is you can join a group like AA. They are made to be accountable and they have sponsors who help them on that journey. It's found to be very helpful for a lot of people and they've been able to quit that behavior. You can also look for an, what we call an accountability partner. It could be a friend, a family member, a pastor, somebody that you trust, that you can be accountable to. Because anything shrouded in secrecy festers. So look for somebody that you can be accountable to, that you can share your struggles with, and that you can work through those processes. Another thing is to avoid places and people who really make that behavior difficult to quit. If you're an alcoholic, avoid the bars, avoid parties, things that you can actually do to make the behavior more entrenched. And look for places that can help you quit easily. So I hope this is helpful, and I hope you can take those resources and apply them accordingly. I'm grateful for Stella's help throughout this entire series. You're going to see her again next week and the week after. But many of you today have jobs. Many of you are employed, and many of you receive health benefits, and one of those benefits being paid professional counseling. And I wonder today, as an application to the sermon, if you would be so bold this morning, or this week even, to contact your provider and utilize the benefits in order to connect with a counselor concerning your anxiety that Pastor Andrew talked about last week, or even your addiction that I'm speaking about this morning. For those who may not have benefits, I want you to know that there are still resources available for you. Over the past few months, I've been asking God. In fact, Pastor Andrew and I created this series back in June or July, and we've been praying and asking God, what are we going to do? How are we going to help our congregation? I can preach from God's word, and that's awesome, that there might be nuggets of truth that are helpful. We can pray for your deliverance and believe God to, to really deliver you and heal you. But what can we do practically to help? Because I don't want to preach God's word and bring some of these things to the surface and then leave you to deal with it on your own. So we've been praying, asking God, what do we do? And so I, I was praying about it and I came across this idea, what if I got some resources and asked the church for some money to help you get some counseling that you would use? So I asked the board of deacons, I asked them, can we transfer some money towards uh, this professional counseling in light of this series to help people who are struggling with mental health issues. And I contacted three Christian registered therapists and I've asked them to provide four counseling sessions to maybe 35 people struggling with one of the five topics in this series, anxiety, addiction, self-harm, depression, and suicide. We want to make an investment in your life. And in order to qualify, I'm going to ask you to do something. You're going to have to pick up... Uh, 
counseling form and an envelope from the welcome desk in the foyer. On the form, you'll be asked to provide some basic contact information to confirm whether you have benefit coverage and you've tried that already or not, which of the five Sunday services you attended, which topic from the five topics do you need support with, and lastly, on a scale of one to ten, rate how life-controlling your addiction is. And once completed, you can seal that in the envelope and return it to the welcome desk, or you can drop it off in the foyer. There's a white mailbox near the nursery. You can do that confidentially. And these forms will be kept confidential and will be used only for the sole purpose of assisting to identify which counselor through the WPA Financial Assistance Program might be a best fit for the particular needs of the individual. So we want to help you. We don't want to be a church that leaves you to figure it out on your own. We want to help. We want WPA to be a safe place. We want a journey with you. And part of that journey is me as a pastor, our pastoral staff coming alongside of you, praying for you, journeying with you, encouraging you with scriptures. Sometimes that's you as, uh, as congregants building accountability relationships with one another. And that's powerful as you hold each other and pray for each other. But then we need help. We need this holistic approach. We need some registered therapists to help us. We encourage you to see your doctor and talk to your doctor about this. But I believe that God wants to deliver you and heal you. Can I get a good amen this morning? I believe that God wants to use doctors and therapists to counsel you and give you tools that you need. So 2020 is going to be a banner year, the year that you will be freed from your addictions in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with us?